I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Arts After College podcast powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Kyle Ireland, back for another edition of the podcast where we talk about the NFL and the local players from the state of Utah who are now playing in the National Football League. Happy to be back on the podcast and excited for this edition of the podcast because I have on this week our BYU insider from KSLSports.com. He's the one and only Mitch Harper. Mitch joined me this week on his way up to the Utah State BYU football game as the BYU Cougars took down the Aggies in the battle for the old wagon wheel. Mitch broke down with me, not only the guys from BYU, but there's a little little Raider action as well because the Las Vegas Raiders are uh, our home team, I guess we'll say, for the state of Utah that the state has adopted here. Closest NFL team now to the state of Utah uh, is the Las Vegas Raiders, and they are off to a hot start this season. So we got Mitch's opinion on his silver and black, the team that he cheers and roots for. So here's my conversation with Mitch Harper on the local guys in the NFL from BYU. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Yards After College podcast powered by kslsports.com. He's the uh, one and only BYU insider that we've got here at uh, KSLSports.com, and I felt like I needed to have him on because there's a lot of BYU stuff going on in the NFL right now. He's the one and only Mitch Harper. He's actually on his way to the BYU football game right now. He's stuck in traffic, if I'm not mistaken. Heading on up to Logan to see BYU, the 4-0 BYU Cougars take on the Aggies. Mitch, are you going to make it before kickoff? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll make it before kickoff, yeah. I, I'll We'll make it. Um, we're with uh, news radio producer uh, Dallin Graff. We're on our way to the game. Just uh, a little bit, uh, you know, more diff- the traffic is a little more difficult up here in the north. I don't know what it is. Like, I don't I don't usually pass uh, the refineries. Dallin and I were talking about that. It's like, we don't go past this often. It's a little bit different up here in the in the, up north. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, be, we'll make it don't up. Don't go we'll, past we'll the refineries. My yes. gosh. Yes. yes we, I love uh, it. 
We uh, well, we'll be ready to go for BYU and Utah State coverage on KSL Sports. But yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit tighter than uh, what I'm used to. But it's fine. Like I, uh, the thing is, what it was funny is like I was like bowling over Dallinson. What should I pick you up? And I'm like, I don't want to be a jerk and be like uh, noon or like one. I don't know. But at the same time, like we'll, we'll make it. It's fine. Like it's the Mav. Like I don't need a Bahama Mama. Like early, you know, I'll be fine. Like we'll be, we can leave at three thirty, and well, traffic is a little bit more rougher than expected. But hey, we're here. We're talking now. Get a little Zach Wilson talk in. I'm here with you, Kyle. So let's do this thing. Yeah, I wanted to talk with you about Zach Wilson uh, because he's got the Jets now, who are just bad. I mean, we knew they were bad, Mitch, before they drafted him, and there was a lot of talk, you know, between you and I. Matt, Diamante, Dallin, you know, we've all talked about best landing spots for Zach for a year or so now. But, my gosh, it's crazy what's happened through the first three weeks of the NFL season. I didn't realize how bad that offensive line was. I thought that they were going to be better than they were, but Zach has been more pressured than any other NFL quarterback through the first three weeks of the season. And I'm getting to the point, Mitch, where – You've seen the last two weeks especially how bad they've been. I mean, he had a couple of touchdown throws against Carolina in week one, which was nice to see. But these last two performances, his teammates have not done him any favors. His line's not blocking for him. His receivers are dropping balls. I'm starting to get to the point where are we going to, like, talk about Zach being able to make it through a season because he's not getting protection from his teammates. Yeah, he's not getting any help. Uh, And it's – the difficult situation for Zach to, to be in. I honestly thought, Kyle, that Zach Wilson and the Jets would be a successful deal in year one. I did. I, I thought that what I was seeing in training camp and, and all the reports that were coming out of Gotham, you just thought that it's going to work out and maybe they could carve out six, seven wins and shock a lot of folks. Now I've completely changed my tune and I'm thinking if they can get two wins and he stays healthy. That's a massive win at this point. And he's given flashes, and he's shown that arm strength. But, you know, some of the – he's not getting any help, and that's making it difficult. And this is going to be a long road to hoe for the New York Jets and for Zach Wilson. So, um, it, it's going to be tough sledding ahead. So, through three games, these are his stats, Mitch. He's uh, at a 55.2% completion rate. He's thrown for just over 600 yards. Only two touchdowns came in the opener, and then he's got seven interceptions and a fumble. His QBR is 22.6. And, you know, we've seen all these rookie quarterbacks in the NFL uh, NFL season so far have bad starts. I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't lighting up the world. Justin Fields had, my gosh, what a terrible outing he had in his first start. Uh, a week ago, and it just it, it's it's tough to be a rookie in the NFL, right? It's hard to win football games at that level. But I look at these numbers, and I didn't expect Zach to be at a two to seven touchdown interception ratio at this point. I thought he'd be more at a you know fifty fifty. He's going to have five interceptions, five touchdowns, kind of a thing at this point in the season. Um, I was expecting them to be like a one and two team at this point in time. But do you think that there's promise in what you've seen from Zach so far? Like, I mean, he had that good week one, or I guess the second half of week one, that is. Uh, But these last two performances, I I just haven't seen a lot where I'm like, is Zach just, you know, is is he going to have to just maintain that confidence 
you know, nature that he has to be able to ride this out until they get things rolling year two, year three. Yeah, I think it is that 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 case, uh, Kyle. Where I think the confidence is going to have to win the day because on the field, I don't think there's been much to write home about with Zach Wilson. Like, yes, arm talent that he makes some good throws once in a while. You see that strength, but more times than not, it's going to be a lot of uh, miscues. I think going forward for Zach, I think I think the most notable thing is no one's turning on him. You know, you've seen in other heralded rookie quarterbacks over the years. You go back to like guys like Ryan Leaf. Instantly, guys were turning on those hot shot quarterbacks, and you're thinking, okay, this is, goes beyond just simply the field of play and simply a loss. You know, losses can happen. The Jets are, are used to that. It's it's more a matter of okay, turning this guy into the face of your program and making him the leader, the guy that's going to lead them to glory eventually. No one thought it was going to be, you know, changed overnight. I thought there'd be a little more success than there'd been, uh, but I think that's kind of the more notable thing is off the field you're not seeing Jets players give up on him Zach's not getting rattled by the New York media and there's sometimes the New York media is asking him some questions that's kind of baiting him into some answers and I think he's handling it like a pro and I think that's where um, you know he's gonna be able to 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 flourish still I think that there's still that uh, excitement about him because if he was folding to that stuff that's when you're going, okay, is this guy a bust? And that's not happening right now. So I think there's there's still a lot of, to be excited about, despite some of the struggles on the field. All right, so we talked about his protection issues. They've got some receivers that I think are talented. Like Corey Davis, I think, is a decent wideout. I don't know if he's a number one option in the NFL. But, I mean, they're going to have to continue to add pieces, and they have draft capital to be able to do so in the future. But I think that winning would – would really help this team. Like if they could just get a win, right? Like it would help build some of that confidence with his teammates. Hey, like we've seen the talent off the field and or off the, you know, the games in practice and whatnot. But I look at these, these next few games, Mitch, I just want to get your take here. Like in the next month or five games, let's go five games because they play the bills in mid November, but let's look at the next five games. Do you see a win here for the Jets and Zach Wilson? They've got the Titans this week, and they've got the Falcons at the Patriots versus the Bengals, and then at the 0-3 Colts. Do you see a win there at all? No, honestly, I don't, because uh, I think the Jets are just that bad. I think maybe you could get one uh, with the Colts being a, you know, a winless team right now. That could be a win in these upcoming games. But, no, I, I, I don't see a win. I, there's been nothing from the Jets so far uh, that lends itself to, to thinking they're going to win some games in, at, at this level. I mean, that's been so unusual, too, that, you know, and I, I like the approach they're taking, the the Jets, with how it's this huge youth movement. You see it a lot in the NBA, but you don't see it very often in the NFL where, like, all these rookies are kind of coming together to form this, this nucleus, and then you lose Mekhi Becton, and you lose uh, Lawson in, in the preseason. It's just like, you know, that that's also been tough losses for, for the Jets. And, you know, then it falls to the shoulders of guys like Zach Wilson, who is the number two overall pick. So, no, I, I just think they're they are so young. I mean, new head coach, new GM. I mean, everything is new with the Jets. They're in their first year. We've seen it from a local standpoint with college football, how there's just growing pains whenever you're in a new role that you're just not used to. And I think with the Jets having just so many decades of struggles, uh, you pair that with this newness, 
that's there, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough to come up with a win. If they can get two wins this year, now that'd be quite the accomplishment. Wanted to get your touch on a few of these other local BYU guys, former BYU guys in yeah. the NFL, Mitch. Uh, you've got a few guys here who have, who have changed teams or have risen up the ranks through practice squads onto active rosters. And I wanted to start there with Tyson Williams. Uh, we only saw him at BYU for four games before he went out with a season-ending injury, but we saw flashes of brilliance from him in those four games. And over the last couple of seasons, he's risen up in the, the Baltimore Ravens organization. And he was a starter uh, week one for them after all of these injuries. And uh, he ended up getting a touchdown there, which was really cool to see. Do you think that Tyson has proven himself through the first three weeks of the season? I mean, they've added some some running backs off of these. You know, they've added Latavius Murray off of waivers. They've added Le'Veon Bell to their practice squad. So they've brought in extra talent due to these injuries. But I think that Tyson's proven himself that he can be a, a secondary back in the NFL. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think he's more an RB2, uh, you know, I'm driving up here to Logan right now with the Tyson Williams fan club driver, Dallin Graff. Uh, you know, I, I, he was, he was all in on Tyson from the jump and yeah, Tyson's a special talent. He really is. But I think that what, what always just hurts him, I think, and this goes for any guy uh, that's just undrafted is there's nothing at stake with them. And I think the teams will always kind of look for that upgrade because you're not, unless you're just out of this world, awesome. Like you become a pro bowler and all pro type talent. Uh, you're always going to be kind of expendable. And I hope that, you know, it continues to work out and he really uh, solidifies himself as season he continues to stays healthy and gets those opportunities. Um, you know, he could be, you know, I think an RB one, he's got that potential, but I think most likely he's more of an RB two guy just because that there's never been that draft capital invested into him. And it seems like, that always tends to win the day in the, in the NFL where guys that were the, the highly rated draft picks, like there's always those stories of undrafted guys, but more times than not, if you want to talk about uh, individuals that are going to stick and uh, get second and third chances to succeed, those are the guys that usually get it. The undrafted guys, you slip up or have one bad game or you put the football on the deck, uh, you know, you could be on the waiver wire instantly. So, just tough road to, to go for a guy like Tyson Williams, but his story's been awesome to see him get this chance because two years ago, I don't think anyone saw this happening. Another former BYU running back is Jamal Williams. He's now with the Detroit Lions after spending the first four seasons of his career with and the how Green Bay Packers. Awesome, how awesome is Jamal Williams' show, Jamal That? So that is my favorite about thing. That because you put a piece up on kslsports.com the other day about this web version show that he's got this youtube kind of a thing and that's like perfect for jamal right like jamal is like the tiktoker the youtuber of the nfl he's like he's the perfect fit for that kind of a thing right and like i mean you put up the story on it mitch like what what did you what did you catch out of that i mean i know he mentioned kalani satake byu head coach well i caught that he's a huge cosplay guy like i didn't realize I didn't he was in the anime when he was at BYU, but I didn't realize how like how deep the the cosplay runs for uh the swag daddy, J Man the Chinaman, Jamal Williams. Uh love that dude. You know, I, I took for granted those media availabilities, those chances to catch up with Jamal Williams. I was kind of a young, nervous media member, kinda of cutting my teeth in the media ranks, and now I look back and I go, Man, 
that guy would have been perfect in like the TikTok age. Do like a a TikTok with Jamal Williams. That would have been awesome. It's been beautiful content. Yeah, I mean Jamal is is an NFL content machine. The Detroit Lions have figured that out and they're they're embracing it. But I love the fact that like anytime they put out a video about him, like the NFL Twitter account or you know their social media team, like they immediately pick it up. They're like, oh yeah, Jamal said something else. You know, like they're immediately on top of that, and I love it. Um, last BYU guy I wanted to talk to you about Mitch is Taysom Hill. So Taysom, all off season, you know they're talking about how. Tim or Jameis Winston, they're going to be the guys battling out to take over for Drew Brees in New Orleans. And they signed him into that bogus contract where $100 million, whatever, non-guaranteed. You saw some writing on the wall, right? Like, I mean, I personally didn't think that he was going to win the job. But I also looked at the fact that he was given the opportunity to start a few games last season. And he, I thought he played pretty well in those games. I mean, they, they went 3-1 and one in that stretch, if I'm not mistaken. And he's kind of gone back to this Swiss Army knife role, this, you know, gadget player, if you want to call him that. But Jameis Winston hasn't, you know, been anything to write home about other than week one where the Packers just – they didn't even look like the Packers, right? I mean, Jameis Winston was throwing five touchdowns in that game, but he also didn't throw for a ton of yards. It was just – you know, they they happen to, you know, hit on those certain plays. Um, but I, I think that you look at uh, the fact that, like, Jameis, he's had this up-and-down career, but he's also had this up-and-down stretch with the Saints so far through three weeks. Is it too early for the Saints to, like, hey, maybe, maybe it's Jason time? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel like it's too early because I think, Taysom is as talented as Jameis. I think that he could be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but, uh, you know, you got to also factor in the locker room, you know, like Jameis has the one over some guys. I mean, there's always going to be whenever there's a quarterback debate, there's going to be some guys that maybe, uh, uh, you know, they side with one guy and another group sides with another. Um, but that, But once you go three, four weeks, and you ride with that guy and suddenly make that change, I mean, that's that's tough uh, to just suddenly do that. Now, Taysom showed in that win over the Patriots how versatile he can be. It's just a bummer that he has to go back to that F-position role, that do-it-all flex, uh, you know, twist role. That's why he was – there was much excitement for him this year because he could be a great quarterback. I think that just the stigma around him will be this flex position role, and hopefully that can get broken and he can go on to be a starting quarterback. But I feel like that might be over now. I just feel like his, the thought of him being a starting QB, it seems like that ship is sailing. I mean, who's going to want a guy in their 30s? I know that Tom Brady and Breeze, they did it till in their 40s, but those guys are also – draft picks, and they were guys that uh, franchises believed in at a very young age, and they've had the luxury to be able to do that for two decades, where you don't know of many guys that just start turning it up at, at the age of 30. I mean, Steve Young, what was he when, when he went to the 49ers and he got his first chance? I mean, he was close to that, but again, like he was once the number one overall pick in the supplemental draft, so I just think Taysom's opportunity and window might be done. I just don't see where the opportunity is, maybe the Texans, but why are they going to make a move for him? They've got Davis Mills. They're going to try to see what they got there and develop that. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. 
for Taysom, and uh, maybe he's got to embrace that role or otherwise go to Wall Street and make probably more money than he can make in the NFL. It's a nice it's a nice life that Taysom has set himself up for. He and his wife, they're going to be well-to-do regardless. And, uh, hey, no better guy to, to get that. Taysom Hill is a heck of an individual, so I wish nothing but the best for him. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have compared Taysom to, like, a better team, a better version of Tim Tebow in the NFL, right? Like, Taysom throws a better ball than Tim Tebow does, but they also do Absolutely. that, that uh, you know, gadget role, the Swiss Army knife stuff. Like, I mean, if Tim Tebow wanted to be in the NFL for the last eight years, he could have been. He just couldn't have been a quarterback. Like, they could have made him a running back. They could have, you know, made him a tight end, something that – it's hard to be out of football like Tim Tebow was and then come back, you know, eight years later – or whatever it was, and then try and all of a sudden be an NFL player again. It just doesn't work like that. Um, but but I do think that Taysom Hill, like he said, like if he could embrace that role, I think that he could be in the NFL for another five, six years easily because he's super talented. And, I mean, when he breaks loose on a run, like he's so fast still. He can outrun linebackers, and it's really just a, a shame that we haven't really got a chance to see him you know, really as that QB one, because I think that he would have been successful. And I don't know if he's a top 10 quarterback, top 15 quarterback in the NFL, but I do think that they could have won games with him like we saw a season ago. But Mitch, before I set you loose, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your 3-0 and Las Vegas Raiders, the silver and black. They're 3-0, and Mitch, through, through three games. They've got wins over the Ravens the Steelers and the Dolphins. Now the Steelers aren't anything awesome this year, but the Ravens and the Dolphins are pretty good teams. What do you think about the, uh, the Raiders three and no start so far? Yeah, it's uh, I'm stunned uh, to be quite honest with you, because I, I was in the camp of unload anything and everything for Aaron Rodgers. get rid of car, get rid of every asset known to man. I was ready to do that. If I, if I was uh you know, Davis and, and Gruden, I would have made that deal happen in a heartbeat. Uh, but, yeah, you know, like I think the Raiders, uh, I think it also shows, too, what value uh, it brings when you are part of an organization now that's not this misfit stepchild in the NFL. Like the Raiders were, when they were in Oakland, they were just a broken-down poverty franchise. Like I know that's kind of a cliche term in social media. You'll see, like, on a woe to response, like, poverty, poverty franchise, my wife left me. Like, uh, you know, like the Raiders were like that poverty franchise. That's what they were in Oakland. And now in Vegas, they're prime time. They got awesome facilities. They got Allegiant Stadium. They got the Intermountain Health Center. They just got state-of-the-art everywhere you look. And I think that's playing a part where they're playing better than maybe, uh, you know, you would have expected from this Raiders team. I mean, to think that they're tied for first in the division and the Chiefs and the AFC West are in dead last. Not so, yeah. I mean, good times for the Raiders right now. Uh, how long will this last? Who knows? But I mean, the the precedent though is like the last time they did this was in 2002. They were in Oakland. They went to the Super Bowl, and then prior to that, I think it was 91. They were in LA when they started out three and zero. So last three times they've gone three and zero, three different states, three di- or three different cities, three different markets, and uh, both times got uh, very far in the playoffs. The Raiders in '91 got like for the. AFC Championship game, if memory serves me right. So, yeah, it's uh, good times right now for the silver and black and uh, the black hole right now. 
Yeah, and uh, they've got a primetime matchup coming up on Monday night. Monday night football is against the uh, L.A. Chargers. I think that's going to be an awesome game on Monday the 4th at 6.15 on ESPN. You've got the Chargers coming off that win over the Chiefs, big win on the road there. And, I mean, if if Derek Carr can keep dishing the ball around like he ha- – I mean, that's the thing that's impressive to me is they don't have like he, – he's not just like going to Henry Ruggs every single time, right? Like it's not like a – Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams situation where it's just like, find Devontae, find Devontae. It's like he's spreading the ball around to everybody. It's really impressive to see what they've been de- been able to do on offense and their defense is coming along as well. But you can, ca- you can catch Mitch on Twitter. You can follow him. I know BYU fans are listening. They want to hear about these NFL guys, but you can follow Mitch on Twitter at Mitch underscore Harper. He's tweeting about BYU. He's going to be tweeting about this BYU-Utah State game uh, if the Cougars are 5-0 and after that. And then also, I'm sure that you'll catch Mitch with the occasional Raider tweet, especially if they pick up another win here on Monday Night Football. But, Mitch, we appreciate your time here on the podcast, and we'll, uh, we'll have you on again soon. Thanks. Yeah, no problem, Kyle. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I'll catch you again soon.